0: it say Romans nine. No. Hopefully, we can. <laughs> All right, return to Romans chapter nine. If you see it up there, Romans chapter nine, verse seventeen through thirty-three. Um, I'm not exactly sure, and, and Brother Rogers is probably going to have to help me. While we, the PowerPoint doesn't take up the full screen, so that we can maximize my PowerPoint. You'll have to help me with that. Okay. Oh, just widescreen. Well, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I have no idea how to do that. But anyway, um, all right, look at Romans chapter 9. Uh, I'm going to begin a bit back at verse 17. We were really kind of uh, getting to that point last week. Well, I, I kind of threw some things out about it very quickly. Um, but We'll, we'll pick up right there. Verse 17 says, For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and and whom he will he hardeneth. And uh, so, we, you know, again, we're talking about uh, this passage, this chapter, talking about the sovereignty of God. But uh, it, it's... I think you know often, uh, especially in this this present time, and I'm sure it's been it's been forever, but it just it seems like it's kind of permeating a lot more of our our teachers and Bible teachers that you hear on the radio and different things, but uh because calvinism is just it's really kind of grown strong in our ranks and so uh when they talk about the sovereignty of god it's just okay it's it it is it it comes down to the fact and, and, and forgive me again they they think through our minds and so sovereignty of god is god created you god created you knowing that you decide to go to hell so in fact he created you to go to hell uh, because it really made no difference. You had no ability to choose heaven because He created you for hell, uh, because He's sovereign, and God can do whatever He wants to do, and, and enough said. And, and always, it always amazes me because the people who really teach that adamantly claim to be saved. And so, uh, uh, you know, so they're okay, and it's just everybody else that God somehow selected to go to hell. And so... Uh, But that's really not what this is talking about. This passage is not saying that Pharaoh never had a will or a chance for decision. It's not saying that at all. The Scripture clearly tells us that he did. When Moses first approached Pharaoh, Pharaoh rejected uh, that there was any God but Pharaoh. And we talked about this last week, so I won't take much time on it. But I don't have this up there. But in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it says, And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and, and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, uh, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Uh, his whole terminology here and everything he's saying, he's, said, he's just saying, uh, I, I don't think there's some other God. He thought he was God. And that's all it comes down to. He, right there, he rejects God. And right there, he had his choice. He had his will. And, and, and he rejects God. Now, this is uh, Pharaoh making the statement. And it says nothing here of God hardening his heart at this moment. Chapter 7, as it as said last week, and again, uh, God hardens the, the heart of Pharaoh. But in in chapter 8, verse 15, it's a very unique thing. It's already said that God's hardened his heart, and it's going to say again that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. But but right after God hardens his heart, then God's, it, it shows again, the I believe, the grace and the second chance of God where God says, okay, uh, watch this. I'm going to give you another chance, Pharaoh, because Exodus chapter 8, verse 15 says, But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Yet, as the Lord had said, he hardened not. It said the Lord had said that he would harden Pharaoh's heart. Here, God, though, makes it very clear that Pharaoh hardened his heart. But God knew that Pharaoh would harden his heart. So the Lord said that he's going to harden his heart. Uh, And and so, uh, but it just, to me, there was no, forgive me, but there would be no need for God to put that statement in there that way, except that he's trying to let us know that Pharaoh still had a will. Pharaoh still had a choice that he could make. And so this is time that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. This passage Uh, is revealing that God may choose to give some more chances than others. This is another thing this passage does. He does not, he does through his foreknowledge, but not predestination. See, this passage really is is telling us, when it it talks about here, uh, let me read it again. Well, let me get it up here for you, and I'm trying to get, if I can get this thing to work. There we go. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And look at verse 18. Therefore he hath, uh, hath he mercy, on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. You see, I believe at this, this point is where he's st- God's starting to teach us that this point, not that he created some to be hardened and some to go to hell, not that he created some for mercy and to go to heaven, but what he's saying is, and we're going to see it a little bit more in depth, is that, that God can choose to take one of us, and he may give you 10 chances, and another one he may give two chances. But that's his choice. Pharaoh, he basically really gave one chance. And when Moses approached Pharaoh the first time, and Pharaoh says, I'm God. Who's this that you're calling God? Now, again, he gives him in a chapter 8, verse 15, he, one more time, Pharaoh hardens his heart. But at, from that point on, we're done. Now, thankfully, we're not all that way, and God doesn't do everybody that way. But here's what I, I want to warn you. Have you ever talked to somebody that says this, and I heard it today, this kind of testimony uh, from one of the workers out here. He said, there was a day, and I was in alcohol, and I was in, uh, in a rough life, and he said, one night, God said, if you don't get right, you're done. Have you ever heard any kind of testimony like that? If you don't do it now, I'm not coming again. I had that happen to me one, one night about uh, a a certain call and a certain thing that God wanted me to do, and God woke me up from sleep, and it was just, I knew if I didn't do what God said this time, he wasn't coming to me again. This was it. And so that's what God is saying here, is that God will come to people, and and to one, he may give a lot of grace. He may be incredibly patient And you say, well, that just seems unfair. God can't be unfair. He can't. Because he's God. I mean, truthfully, God gave more chances to Moses than he did to Pharaoh. So, some have a chance to submit, and that's basically the only chance. Others, there is grace and another chance. The sovereignty of God, creation has no right to question the creator. The passage is warning to prideful man not to look at God and say he is unjust for creating a man that he knew would reject him. And that's what this passage is all talking about. We just don't have a right to look at God and say you're being unfair. you you didn't have a a god why would you create somebody if knowing they're going to hell we don't fully understand that and i've been trying to say it over and over again our minds can't comprehend this it becomes circular but god can do whatever he wants to do he's god so god so why god does what he does we do not understand but he creates man with a free will Uh, And free will to make choices, all the while knowing the choices that he will make. God uses both vessels for his glory. Those that choose to, to follow him, God uses for his glory. Those that choose to dishonor him, God can still use them for his glory, just as he did Pharaoh. All vessels have a choice. They may sell their birthright or they may cherish it, and that goes back to some of our earlier teaching. Now, if you go to verse 19, verse 19 says, Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will? You see, man is not changed. Uh, here's where we got, you know, it's just man and his pride. Uh, we go in and and we, we look back at God and say, God doesn't have the right to treat us this way. Yes, God does. You see, man is not chained. He rebels against God. And here in this verse, he's stating that, that the sin and, and their penalty is not their fault. God made them that way. Thou wilt say unto me, why doth he yet find fault for who resisteth the will of God? He's saying, oh man, if God created me and, and knowing that I'm going to make these wrong decisions, well, what I have no power in this. That's not what God's teaching here. But that's what we do because we start to criticize God. Now, verse 20 says, nay, look at this. Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Uh, Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? And so, again, it's our pride when we look at God and we start start questioning how does God have the right to make me this way? Why does God have the right to, uh, to to make uh, make one guy, and it seemed like everything that he does, he you know he's he, it just he's just got that golden touch, and everything he's successful, and everything. And you got the next guy; it seemed like he works himself to death, and it, and and nothing happens. And they're both good people. They're both good spiritual people. You ever been around those people? Just I mean, there's just. Seems like everything that they do, it goes right to them. Seems like everything that they do, it's, and we look at it and we think, okay, it's not fair. God's not fair because why would he bless them and not bless this one? We don't know. And truthfully, we really don't know what blessing is. We don't know th- whether it is whether a man's being blessed or not truthfully, if God chooses to give one several chances to yield and another he gives one or two, is God evil for this? We have no right to be upset at God for what He chooses to do it's and honestly, this passage of scripture that we're looking at it's much like and I don't have the yeah I do, I think I do have it up here uh I'm telling you, I'm out of sync without Joe Beth here. I'm just, I'm about, I'm about in my limit right now, okay? Because I, I don't know what I'm doing. But look at Matthew chapter 20. Turn to that real quickly and we'll take a look at this. Matthew chapter 20. Can everybody see this okay? Uh, I think we've got them, we, are we angled so that we don't have the glare and all that kind of thing on these? We right? Okay. Matthew chapter 20, if you take a look at this, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is is a householder, as verse 1, householder which went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into, into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also in the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way, and again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and that whatsoever is right that shall you receive. So when he when even was come the lord of the vineyard said saith unto his steward call the laborers and give them their hire beginning from the last unto the first and when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour they received every man a penny but when the first came they were supposed that they should have received should have received more and they likewise received every man a penny and when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. Thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful? Listen, is it not law for me to do what... What I will with mine own is thine. eye is thine eye evil because I am good. And this, of course, this is you know this is a parable about salvation, uh, but it's also a parable about the, the sovereignty of God. God saying, "Look, I, I'm the good man." And, and if I choose to, to look at Kobe and give, because he showed, up, and he showed up at the 11th hour, and I choose to give him a penny, give him the same amount as I give Brother Kenzie, and he's been working all day, and we look at it and say, that's unfair, that's unjust. No, that's the right of the goodman. That's the right of God to do that. He has that right to do it. You know, we in America, we get all upset because somebody else is blessed a little bit more than we are. Uh, Do we ever stop and think how blessed we are compared to most of the rest of the world? I mean, why did God choose us to be born here, to live here, to grow up and experience what we've experienced here? Now, the Lord is emphasize, emphasizes all this that we're just talking about. He does this with, with uh, let's see. I forgot to go through these, and sorry about that. Verse 21. Verse 21, back at our original passage in chapter nine of Romans, "Hath not the potter power over the clay, the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor." This verse is dealing again with the foreknowledge of God. You see, even though God knows in foreknowledge that a vessel will choose dishonor, the potter still makes the vessel and gives it a chance. Now, there's a wonderful passage of verses in verses 22 through 24. Uh, As we look at those, verses 22, it says, What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Now, that, this is a really a great passage. God makes all vessels knowing the choice they will make. And He endures some with great patience. For somehow, I believe, He separates His knowledge, His foreknowledge, from the people. And therefore, giving even those who will refuse Him another chance. I believe this is what we see in Pharaoh. He rejected God. God then hardened his heart, but then it seems that God gives Pharaoh another opportunity, but Pharaoh hardens his own heart this time. It, it, this is such an important thing. This shows the, incre- the word, word used here is long-suffering, if you see that on, in verse uh, 22. But God, that's incredible patience when God is patient and gives other opportunity to people then in his foreknowledge, he knows they're going to reject. Does that make sense to you? I mean, it's one thing to have patience always hoping that they're going to come around. Always pleading that they're going to come around and believing they're going to come around. And again, I can't explain how God separates his foreknowledge from free will. I, I, I really can't understand how he separates that, but somehow... God in this incredible mind of His, He is even patient with people that He knows are going to ultimately reject Him. That's amazing. That's amazing how he, He has long suffering for these vessels. Verse 23 says this, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. Now, in verses 22 through 24, we see the patience of God, we see the mercy of God, but notice, watch this, no matter what the vessel does, it was all for the glory of God whether the glory is, uh, the vessel was for honor or for dishonor still for God's glory every creature is created for God's glory and God can and will use even rebellion to bring himself glory that's an amazing god even those who rebel against him he still can use that for his glory now notice especially verse 24 it, 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 please grab hold of this this when when i saw this and maybe and i don't know if i'll be able to explain it but so much is this is so much used for predestination, and God chose some for heaven, chose some for hell. Listen to this the Jews were God's chosen people. Amen? They're, amen? Let me help you. They are, yes. They're God's chosen people. Watch this. So they could not have been made predestined for destruction. They were his chosen people, but they chose to reject God. So you see, this this just blows apart predestination because his chosen people, if there is chosen people, then they got to be chosen without... They have no option. They have to be God's people. They have to go to heaven uh, no matter what. But they chose, in their will, they chose to reject God. Now, they chose to reject God, to reject their responsibility toward God. And the Lord went to the Gentiles, who it would seem have, were created for destruction, you see, the Jews were created were chosen by God, the gentiles were not chosen by God. And so that should say the Jews are chosen to go to heaven, the gentiles are chosen to go to hell. But wham! in their will the opposite happened. The Jews rejected God and the gentiles by the thousands began to receive god verse 25 it says as he saith also O see i will call them my people which were not my people and her beloved which was not beloved of course that's talking about the the jews and the gentiles the gentiles were not my people but i'm gonna call them my people now uh, they were not chosen, but but they chose me, so now they're mine. And it shall come to pass that in the, the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So if it's really predestination, then those people were chosen, the Gentiles were chosen for destruction, and the Jews were chosen for paradise, and, and the absolute opposite happened because... The Jews rejected, and the Gentiles received them. It's clear that those who seemed to be chosen rejected; those who were not chosen, in fact, accepted. This is clearly the free will of man being depicted. And then you have Isaiah's uh, chapter, uh, verse twenty-seven. It says, "Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel." Uh, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Now, these two verses and the the previous passage taken together uh, let us know that God acts in patience, is telling us God is very patient and long-suffering toward man, just as he did with his chosen people. But when God's long-suffering is done, Now, understand this, he will do what he will do quickly. Now, understand what God's saying here. I've always, my wife tells me that I'm this kind of person, and as the years go by, I realize it in me, I'm very slow to make a decision. I've been for two months talking to people and walking. I've walked out that parking lot 40 times. And I've gotten prices and I've gotten things and I've debated and I've tried to think what to do and I've talked to the Lord and I've gone back and forth and I've gone back and forth and gone back and forth about what to do about that. It doesn't look good back there. Did y'all see back there where it's? But when I decide, we're going to do it. Now it's just put the pedal to the metal because I'm going to get her done. No need to, it's no more messing around the decision is slow but when a decision is made get out of the way and Joe Beth jokes with me all the time she always says she always knows when I start car hunting she said you just she said you get that look and that you know it's just something and she said I know that you're going to go it might be a year or two you're going to go and you're going to be thinking you're going to be looking you're going to be talking but she said I know the day that you decide you're going to walk out the door and you're going to come back with something. And that's just that's just who I am. The truth is that's exactly what God is talking about right, right here in this passage. He's, he's, he's saying that, uh, uh, verse 28 says, For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because what is a short work will the Lord make upon the earth? God's just saying that, look, Okay, I'm being very patient with this old world. And I've been very patient with individuals. And it's something we've got to get across to people. God is a God of grace and of mercy and a second chance. But I beg you, He's also a God that will come to you and say, You reject me one more time, and I'm not coming back. And when He does that, I'm just telling you, it's coming now. Judgment's coming now. There's something going to happen now. He doesn't piddle anymore. Man, he's been patient. It, it's, like, it's like if you believe in the rapture, it's like the rapture. Do you understand how quick a twinkling of the eye is? Now, he's been patient, and he's been holding up, and he's been waiting, and he's been waiting. But when he said, now, it's faster than we can think. A a twinkling of an eye, it's not a blink. It's not, it's like a sparkle in your eye. Now, this is what the Lord is saying. He has been patient, long-suffering, so it appears he will not act to bring righteous judgment. In this so old world we live in, do you all ever figure, feel like sometimes that the, the ungodly, the wicked are just never going to be judged? Do you ever feel that way sometimes? That just, God, are you ever going to do anything about this? Are they just going to get away with this forever? No, let me help you. I feel that way too at times, and I realize, no, it's not sin when it's finished bringeth forth death and when judgment comes it's coming quickly god has shown amazing all suffering but when their judgment comes it will be a short work it's not like he's got a okay let me try to figure out a way to do this or let me do it gradually no he's just saying you know when when it's done it's done it's like it's like ahab and jezebel when god was done Man, they they had some rain and they hurt a lot of people and they seemed like they were above punishment. But you know, when Jezebel was in that window and he hollered, throw her down, she took a flight. And look, the ground came quickly. And the dogs licked her blood. And so verse 29 As Isaiah said said before, except the Lord of the Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been like unto Gomorrah. And again, this verse is illustrating how fast he he brings judgment. If not for the grace of God and the patience of God, all Israel would be as Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what he's saying. He's saying, do you understand that, that when judgment came, it, the fire and brimstone rain, bam, it came. It, it's right now. The angels are telling, you know, Lot, you got to come now because when it starts, it's going to end quickly. And and if not for the grace and mercy and patience of God, America would be as Sodom and Gomorrah. And America will be as Sodom and Gomorrah. It's just a matter of time when it's going to be because we're going to be destroyed as by fire. And so it, it, I believe it's going to come in a moment. And, uh, and for the judgment, it's going to come quickly. So... God was patient with those cities, but when judgment came, it came in a moment. Now, finally, verses 30 through 33, you see those, verses 30 through 33, it says, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even to the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness." Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now, very simply, we see that the Jews, even though the chosen people of God have no claim on salvation as a national right, right? Or right, because they are God's chosen people, they rejected the way of salvation. This, this passage is really saying, they rejected the way of salvation. They sought salvation by works and lost it. The Gentile was presented salvation by grace through faith, and they received it. The Gentiles were following after idols, and, but in humility, they accepted the truth of Jesus Christ. The Jews served God but rejected Christ by faith and continued in their, in their pride performing works for salvation. And that's what God's saying here. He's saying that the, the Gentiles came and by faith, the Gentiles didn't live half as good as the Jews. And, and that's something we got to be careful of. You know, we try to live righteously and we try to live holy and we try to teach that in the church probably more so than the average church does and, and we're concerned about uh, the different things that will take us to the world and and we understand the scripture to, to come out from the among and be you separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and we don't want to touch the unclean thing but but we have to understand that the Jews they, they lived a righteous life, but they trusted in their righteousness. Now, never, never, never uh, get caught up in the fact that somehow your righteousness is earning you your place with God. It does not. Everybody we bring in there, we've had more this week to get saved through the food bank, but when they sit down across from me and, and, and I talk to them, man, I try to make this so clear. You do not work. To get to heaven, you get heaven by gift. It's a free gift of God. But watch this. The work comes because you have heaven. Now, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. The Jews looked for a lion to come and conquer, but God sent a lamb as a sacrifice. The Jews wanted the Messiah to come in power upon a throne, but God sent a lamb to hang on a cross. And the Gentiles believed in that lamb, and the Gentiles believed by faith, that they could be saved as a gift of God. They didn't live as well as the Jew did. They they weren't as holy as the Jew, but they knew that they needed God. They knew they were a sinner in need of a Savior. The Jew, on the other hand, lived in his pride, and he wanted the Messiah to come the way he wanted him to come. He wanted the Messiah to come in power upon a throne, but that's not the way he came. It came as a lamb to hang on a cross. And they stumbled. And what it's talking about there at the very end, they stumbled at that lamb. But anyone who believes in the lamb shall never be ashamed. That's what the last part, it says, a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. They stumbled at the lamb. That rock of offense, Jesus is the rock, of course, but Jesus is also the lamb. If you could kind of take that rock and shape it into a lamb, that's who they stumbled over they stumbled over Jesus they just couldn't they couldn't let go of their their holiness their righteousness to get them to heaven they couldn't turn loose they couldn't they couldn't accept what, what we were gonna find and we're gonna see in Romans chapter 11 verse 6 if it of, if it's of grace it's no more of works otherwise grace is no more grace they couldn't get that. They just couldn't accept that. They couldn't accept that their works didn't have something to do with it. And so they rejected Christ. Well, here comes the Gentile, and the Gentile doesn't have any works. You know, everybody that walks in my door, and everybody that I talk to on the street, and everybody that I talk to wherever I go, if they know that they're a sinner, then they don't really have a tough time getting saved. You know who the problem is? It's when they look, start looking at you, and I talk to a fellow today. Uh, you know, they look at you, and they say, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, I know I do this, and I know I do that, but I don't do like these guys, and I don't drink this, and I don't take drugs, and I don't do this. And i say, none of that matters. Because I don't care if you just had one b- bad thought your whole whole existence that's still one sin and one sin will send you to hell just like person that's the drug addict is going to go to hell you're still going to go to hell until you realize that that one sin is going to send you to hell and that's what the jews could not accept they couldn't accept that this thing was by faith in jesus christ that jesus had come to pay for it also they stumbled at him And watch at the very last, it says, And whosoever believeth him shall not be ashamed. God's saying, if you'll just trust by faith in Jesus Christ, there'll never be a point where you'll say, I'm ashamed that I trusted Christ. He failed me. He said he'd take me to heaven, but he didn't. That'll never happen. He made a promise, but he didn't keep it. That'll never happen. You'll never have a reason to be ashamed of Jesus. All right, and listen, y'all. Somebody mocked me about 805 earlier. It's 802.